Artlist.io. Good afternoon and welcome to the Right Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Jacobs. Join me every Friday noon Eastern time with decision makers, both in collegiate athletics and professional sports. But joining me today is the president and CEO of Lead One Association, the Honorable Mr. Tom McMillan. Tom, welcome to the Right Fit. Daryl, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule, and I know you're doing a lot with Lead One, and I'm very excited to have you on. And so some of the coaches and administrators are looking forward to this podcast here. But before we get started with the Q&A time, please talk about your journey into the collegiate athletics. I know you've done so many things in politics as well as pro basketball and some other things, but talk about your journey into collegiate athletics. Well, I was very involved in uh, collegiate athletics when I was in Congress. I wrote a book called Out of Bounds at the time. It taught talked about the greed and hypocrisy of the American sports establishment. Um, I sponsored some bills. Uh, your Senator Bill Bradley and I uh, and Congressman Ed Towns, we passed the student right to know bill, which required schools to disclose graduation rates of not only their students, but their of their student athletes. And that was pretty, believe it or not, radical at the time. Uh, but we worked on that. We got it passed. And there were other bills that I worked on involving college sports as well. While I was in Congress, I was asked to serve on the inaugural Knight Commission. That was a group that formed and still going that tries to uh, put reform agendas forward for college sports. And uh, and so I've always been involved in college sports. I was a, a trustee at the University of Maryland, the Naval Academy. And uh, so I've been involved in higher ed. And then I was recruited to take this position in 2015. And that's kind of how it all came full circle. Wow, that's an amazing story, your background and having always been involved with collegiate athletics. Most people want to know, for those who don't know, particularly coaches, what is Lead One Association and how did it come about? It was formed in 1986. Homer Rice was the legendary AD and uh in uh, Georgia, and he uh, he uh, created this association of all the FBS athletic directors, uh, meaning the football bowl subdivision of the NCAA. That's all the schools with big time football. Uh, right now, that's 130 schools, and so the organization existed for years. And Jack Swarbrick uh, of Notre Dame, the athletic director at Notre Dame, became the uh, head of it. And he wanted to focus more on policy. He wanted one to be more of a policy organization, a a thought leader uh, than it had been before. And so they, uh, the executive director at the time was retiring. And so they, they reached out and uh, that's how I got involved. And so what we do is we work on a lot of the issues in college sports, whether it's transfers or NIL or, you know, paying paying student athletes as employees. Uh, we, we, you know, even looking at the governance of of college football, where where should that where should football be in the in the scheme of things, governance wise? So we work on all those issues, and that's sort of our mandate today. And that takes me into my next questions about some of the type of initiatives you're currently working on or have done. And if you want to care to expound on that a little bit as well. Well, we've worked on a lot of things. One that we spent a lot of time on was our diversity uh, uh, in, in DEI initiative, which uh, 
was uh, something we worked on for about a year. We had a very big group work group. We had about 25 staff and our ADs who got together and we tried to come up with some actionable recommendations uh, that would make a difference in, uh, in the whole diversity picture of college sports. Uh, and so that was, that was released. That white paper was released. It's on our website. Uh, we worked on NIL for, for months, uh, giving our different comment letters to the NCAA on what our work group thought was appropriate about NIL. And we've worked on transfers. We've worked on so many different issues. So uh, we, we really uh, publish those uh, work, work papers on our website, and it shows the kind of extent of the effort we have really put in on so many different issues across the landscape of college sports. And I've read those white papers, and they've been tremendous. And we, we'll get to talk a little bit about the NIL mm -hmm. when we talk about the industry trends. I'm sure mm -hmm. we can get back to that. Let's talk about a little bit about the interview process. I know you've been involved in so many over the last five years, how has that changed? And when it comes to hiring of coaches and athletic administrators, well, one of the things I think the job of being an athletic director is so different than it was even five years ago. Uh, the skill set required is quite, you know, quite vast. I mean, they have to have marketing experience, finance experience, fundraising experience. They have to have good political skills. Uh, it's a real people business. And they, they have to be good managers. They've got to run these organizations, which are have gotten extraordinary, uh, much larger. I mean, think of some of our schools have 150, 200 million in revenue. And that doesn't account for the impact that that school has. I mean, a $200 million athletic department is a really big organization because of its impact across the community. And so we have schools that are, you know, in the 20s and schools that are up around the $200 million revenue. And so being an AD today is much more complicated. Uh, we find some of our ADs have legal degrees. Some have accounting degrees. Uh, many of them have worked in development and fundraising because uh, that's, that's a big part of the job now, you know, continuing to bring in resources to fund your program. So it, it's a very different, even during the period that I've been at lead one for about six years, the, the criteria for ADs has changed. It's uh, much different. Of course, there's a lot of emphasis on diversity today. I mean, I see real intentional emphasis on that. And we're beginning to see more and more candidates uh, as well as uh, folks uh, from diverse backgrounds winning uh, or being or be, being accepted into these positions. So there have been, there's been, a, it's been a lot of change in the last five years. And particularly over the last two years, as you know, besides working with ESPN, I'm executive director for diversity and inclusion for the rising coaches DEI Alliance. And, you know, some of the initiatives we actually worked on and looking at some of your white papers that you have put out has helped us move some things forward, um, you know, as well. During the interview process, I always ask my guests, talk about some of the do's and don'ts when it comes to the interview processes, whether it's a coach or administrator. Well, I would say your demeanor should be humble but confident. Those are not contradictory uh, <laughs> phrases. You can be humble, but yet you can be confident. I think that's very important. I would also say 
that you better do your homework whenever you go into an interview. You need to know everybody in the room and everything about them. You need to know their backgrounds. Uh, matter of fact, you, sh you should think ahead and anticipate questions that they might ask you. And most of all, you better know everything about the institution that you're or the program that you're being interviewed for. I mean, you, you got to come in and do your homework. So, you know, I've been on a, in a lot of interviews, both as a trustee and in other places where some candidates haven't been as prepared as they should be. And, and it's really quite evident. And when they are prepared and they have an idea what they want to do with the job, that makes all the difference in the world. I mean, people are going after positions because obviously uh, they want it. They want to make a difference. And some people are better prepared than others for that. In other words, some really think it through and come to the table prepared. Others, others don't do as well at that. So those are some do's and don'ts that I would strongly stress. Stress. What you said, there's a lot now of people or decisions being made on based on transferable skills. Sometimes there was always an emphasis to have a certain skill set or a certain area of expertise. Would you say transferable skills is something that is kind of trending now in terms of the hiring process? Yes, I mean, it's um, it's interesting. We've had some non-traditional hires in college sports, people that came from other backgrounds, of, you know, legal or business or whatever. Um, and, you know, like any situation, some have worked out, some haven't. Uh, but uh, more likely than not, you find uh, candidates that have risen through the ranks and have done different experiences at different schools. And so, uh, as I said, I think that's the more typical pathway, although there have been, as I said, non-traditional uh, candidates as well who've done very well. Um, the one thing I will say is that the complexity level of college sports is much greater today than it was 10 years ago. I mean, you, you've got so many issues and and you're constantly, I mean, you're constantly having to consult with lawyers because there's just a million legal issues that uh, have to be juggled. Tom, I'm really enjoying this conversation. Let's take a commercial break. I got to pay some bills here before I get in trouble. You're watching and listening to The Right Fit here with Mr. Tom McMillan. The Right Fit podcast is brought to you by Rising Coaches Search and Consulting. Tired of spending what seems like all of your time and budget filling coaching vacancies? Let Rising Coaches Search and Consulting handle your next coaching search. Our process is simple. We identify, vet, and recruit a talented and diverse group of professionals that fits your institution's profile. All for a low price that we guarantee will beat our competitions. Plus, all of your searches will be handled by former coaches, meaning we will get the best possible insight on all of your candidates, and you'll get the perspective that only a former coach could provide. For testimonials, a full client list, or more information, please visit risingcoaches.com. Welcome back to the Right Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Jacobs. I'm with my guest, the Honorable Mr. Tom McMillan, President and CEO at Lead One Association, and we're talking about the right fit. 
Um, one of the things you hit on earlier, Tom, was the NLI. And my next question was talking about those industry trends. I would like for you to talk a little bit further about um, NLIs being one of those industry trends. And, and of course, if there's any other trends you want um, our listeners or viewers to be abreast of as well. Well, name, image, and likeness obviously is a very is a very big um, uh, industry development over the last year. Or so uh, since it was passed, uh, we've had really kind of this wild west scenario where there aren't too many rules, and a lot of people are experimenting and trying different things. And now the NCAA has just recently announced that they're going to have to start putting some kind of rules to the road here, particularly when it comes to recruiting. Because now, you know, the idea that you can give these kids these tremendous NIL payments and directly as serves as a recruiting inducement. And that was never intended to be the case. It was supposed to be young people able to monetize their sort of their publicity rights and make some money off it. But it wasn't supposed to be used as a, a recruiting carrot. And that's what it's being used for. So one of the trends, obviously, is that coaches have to watch is that, you know, your competitors may be very well using NIL as a as a recruiting uh, tool. And although the NCAA, you know, has frowned upon that and said that's against their interim policy, the question is, will, there, will they really enforce it? You know, it's like you're going, you're speeding through a town and there's no policeman. Well, you wonder whether anybody will make a difference on that. And so well, that's kind of wait and see. We're waiting to see whether the NCAA will really step in and and really put a halt to some of these recruiting inducements. I, I think our ADs quite unanimously feel that NIL and student athletes earning some money on the side for that, it makes a lot of sense. But when it crosses into, you know, recruiting and and even the pay for play, you know, where I'm going to pay you and I'm going to give you more if you play well. Those are the kinds of slippery slopes that I think uh, college sports is concerned about. And so, uh, as I said, there's there's a lot happening in this space. And, you know, we also have a lot of undercurrents about, you know, turning student athletes into employees. And uh, there's a lot of complications to that, you know. I think most of our ADs understand that football and basketball players probably deserve more and in benefits, whether that's healthcare, safety, or even, even uh, revenue in some cases. But where they, they don't want to see college sports turn into a mirror image of the NFL and the NBA. And we're talking basically about basketball and football here for the most part. The other sports are, you know, great for a, a young person to be able to monetize their name, image, and likeness if they're on a softball team or whatever. But the real pressure, the real, I think, tipping point areas are in football and basketball. And that's going to require some creativity so that, you know, you, you, you still have a college model that's different than the NBA and the NFL model. And tied to education is clearly one of the hallmarks of college sports and when you get to an employee status you know it's harder to have that tie to education i mean because if you're not playing well uh, in the pros you get fired so what happens in college do, do these kids get fired what 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 are all 
what are the consequences of all that? And so the, this, the employment issue is a very, very tricky issue. Well, as a former congressman, I'm, a lot of people are looking for Congress. I mean, um, you served in Congress and you're in Washington now where you can be down there to, you know, to exact change. Do you think Congress will jump in and assist the NCA? Because they seem to be moving slow. They seem like they put a rule in to just deal with the collective, which is boosters. Um, right. And I couldn't I can't understand how they didn't foresee some of this happening. Even us, I'm a former college coach for over 20 years and we saw this coming. We saw that some of the bigger schools with the bigger boosters was going to be using this as a recruiting inducement right. um, with no legalities or um, boundaries to it, um, you know, as well. And you see some of the things going on right now with some of the players, even with certain deals. And you see it in the news like, you know, I want to go to this school, transfer to this school because I can get a better NIL deal. But do you think Congress would jump in and assist the NCA because they seem to be moving very slow on that, particularly what they just came out with just dealing with the boosters who are the collective? I think it's probably unlikely that Congress will do anything this term. You know, with the Ukrainian war and all the other issues going on, the elections coming up in November, it's going to be hard to have Congress focus on this. There's a few members that are focused on it. And you know, a lot of people understand that having a national standard, a harmonious standard, makes sense. But then there are some others, particularly on the Democratic side, who say, look, if we're going to fix NIL, we need to fix the bigger issue of, you know, giving these student athletes a bigger piece of the pie and making them employees and giving them collective bargaining. So part of the problem is getting consensus on the issue. Uh how the Congress changes or, or in the next election could have some impact on this. So I, I don't think you're going to see any action this Congress, but into the next Congress it could very well, it would very well be the case. Um, pending that, you know, the NCAA is going to have to stand up and do some things. And there's always risk of litigation. I mean, think about, you said it right, uh, Daryl, when you said, this was very easy to foresee. Here, they they basically passed these rules, and, and and then the states did it as well, and said the schools can't be involved. Well, of course, the vacuum was going to be filled by boosters, and of course it was. And uh, you can't imagine the NFL or the NBA basically allowing it boosters to have such a relationship with their players and. And they're and they're and, and who are their the most vital asset of the organization, and really having your hands off of it. it, it didn't make sense the way it was constructed in the beginning. And certainly, you probably could have foreseen this, as you said. Um, I think in the long run, it would be better if these collectives were brought into the school. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the school having a licensing, a division for its student athletes that. Uh, where they can manage it and control it and make sure it's done right, putting it to third-party boosters, I think, is very, very, very complicated. In all cases, you're going to have Title IX issues, so you know why not be upfront about it and deal with it in the school, and where you have control of it, uh, and you really can watch the welfare of your student athletes better than if you have this marketing organization on the outside, which you really pretty much hands off on. So. I do think that I think that down the road, you're going to see a lot of these 
collectives get merged back into the school. Yeah, you're beginning to see a lot of departments beginning to move towards what you just said yeah. um, to get their arms wrapped around it and controlling the student athletes in terms of their brand and <clears throat> hopefully um, keeping everything um, as far as compliance is concerned. And that's another issue to go down the road as well. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, we talked about NLI and we talked about NCAA bylaws and talk about some of those job opportunities that might be on the rise in collegiate athletic, given that there are so many new trends coming out now. Well, I mean, the world is changing so, so dramatically. I mean, licensing is going to be a big part of uh, the knowledge set. That's, I mean, schools are pretty good at it anyway, but that's going to be another area. Just think about artificial intelligence. I mean, you're now, you're going to be able to, crunch enormous amounts of data that's going to be predictive of how your team's going to do. It's also going to be very predictive for recruiting. Well, that's already there now. <laughs> it's already there. But you asked me where job opportunities are. Right. There's going to be AI opportunities, uh, both used for recruiting. You're going to be able to put AI on these recruits and, and tell and really predict who's going to succeed, who's not going to succeed, who may get injured. I mean, it's incredible the, the amount of uh, data crunching. So data is going to be an important part of all this. You know, health and safety issues are going to continue to be important. Uh, and, you, you know, there's going to require expertise in, in all that. Legal. Legal is not is a growth industry in college sports. Uh, so there's, uh, there's so many things. Wearables, you know, the right. technology. I mean, I, I throw technology as a, a big umbrella because... Um, these programs are uh, are morphing into very sophisticated operations. So there's going to always be uh, opportunities for those skilled in, in, in those particular areas. When I talk to coaches, a lot of times today, when talking to a lot of coaches, Tom, when they're recruiting or looking at the portal, and I always told them, when the NII come up, you better you better become an expert in NLI. You need to see where your resources come. Because if you don't get your arm wrapped around it, don't don't have an understanding of it, that's going to become your chief uh, detriment in terms of recruiting. Because you know kids are looking to monetize their brand um, as well. When it comes to candidate, talk about how can a candidate differentiate themselves or stand out during the interview process. Again, knowledge is is powerful. Uh, there are so many trade publications in college sports today. I mean, you know, the D1 ticker, there's so many of them that you could you could spend hours a day reading this stuff. And if you really are interested, that's what you should do. You should be so knowledgeable for two reasons. One, I think that impresses the people who are interviewing you. And secondly, it also is very important part of your management style, that you are well-informed, that you know what your competitors are doing. And so uh, I think knowledge is key here. It's the most important thing that you can do uh, because it also shows that you have the breadth to be able to look at situations and and to, to make reasoned decisions about them. So that would be my, the one thing I, I would, is do your homework, uh, Make sure that you really are up on the industry because it's changing so quickly, as we know. Tom, this is the best part of my show. I always mm -hmm. love my last question. It's called word association. Uh -huh. I'll say a place, 
person or thing and you say the first thing <laughs> that comes to mind um, here. So, and I always preference when I tell people, um, if you got anybody watching, you don't want to alienate anybody or say anything that could be detrimental. But let's start sure. with the University of Maryland. University of Maryland. Um, great public institution. Politics. Very fractionated. <laughs> very, po very polarized, yeah. <laughs> Collegiate athletics. F fraught with issues. But, finally, but 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 important to important to main to retain. And finally, lead one association. Thought leader. Tom, thank you for taking the time this afternoon. I want to thank all my viewers and listeners for joining us as well. Join me next Friday for another great guest here on the Right Fit. Until then, please stay healthy, stay safe, and have a wonderful weekend.